The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's Word. Good morning. Welcome to ACF. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. And it is great to have you guys in church this morning. I am so excited. I love the Christmas season and and I am so excited to be able to kind of kick off our series that we're going to be in for the next four weeks called God in the Manger. And before we go any further, I just want to let you guys know, uh, Pastor Brian, who's the lead pastor here at ACF, he couldn't be here this morning. Uh, you may or may have not heard his grandpa died on Wednesday afternoon. And so Thursday after Thanksgiving dinner, uh, him and Amanda flew out to Maine uh, to go be with the family and uh, <clears throat> go be part of the service. And the service is actually happening today. So if you think about it, uh, pray for Brian and Amanda. Both of them were very close with his grandpa. And so that's why he couldn't be here this morning to kick off our new series. He really wanted to be here. He'll be back next week. And so uh, to continue on with the series. So just if you think about it, pray for Brian and Amanda. But I am really excited to be here today. I, I love Christmas. I love the Christmas season. And I'm, I'm really excited to be kicking off our new series. And, you know, I love this time of year. It, it is full of anticipation. It, it's full of hope. It, it's full of generosity. I love the generosity that we see at Christmas time. I love family. I love hanging out with my family, being with my family around Christmas time. And I just love what this season brings. And over the next four weeks, uh, as we're talking about God in the manger, we're going to be pulling out these different maybe attributes about Christmas, different things about Christmas. And how do we find God in this, especially today in the society that we live in, the generation that we live in and the technology and just all this stuff and the commercialism of Christmas, all this stuff going on. We want to find God in the manger. We want to find God in these things. So we're going to be talking about topics like finding God in the waiting or finding God in the mystery of Christmas. And we're going to be talking about finding God in the redemption of Christmas. Christmas time can be such a redeeming time for families and for, for relationships. And, we're, and then we're going to end by talking about God incarnate, that Jesus came to this earth and that, that Jesus was God. And so that's what we're going to be talking about with God in the manger. And today we're going to be talking about God in the waiting. How do we find God in the waiting? Waiting. Now, we all get waiting at Christmas time, right? We all get that waiting sensation, that waiting to open gifts, that waiting to have the loved ones, our loved ones in our lives, open our gifts. I mean, I got to tell you that I turn into a 10 year old little boy at Christmas time. I absolutely do. I revert back to 10 years old. And if you don't believe me, you can ask my wife or ask anyone that knows me. If it was up to me, our house would look like the Griswold house at Christmas time. Like I would spend all of our money on Christmas lights and decorations and just like blow it up with Christmas. Um, but fortunately, there's a sane person in my life, and that is my wife. And she she brings me back to reality for that. Um, but I, I love Christmas time and I absolutely would um, just go all out with Christmas. And, and I was thinking about it the other day as I was playing with my kids yesterday. It's snowing out. We're like having snowball fights. We're drinking hot cocoa. We took them to see Santa Claus at Bass Pro Shop. Like, how awesome was that? I, I couldn't wait to go see Santa. It was at Bass Pro Shop. And uh, we go and have a great day. And I'm just looking at my kids just 
enjoying this season. And I think, man, that's what it's about. It is about a childlike faith, a childlike understanding. Even Jesus says, man, the kingdom of God belongs to the children, right? Unless you have faith like a child, you're going to miss the kingdom of God. And I was thinking about that going, man, this is what we're, we're supposed to kind of go back to this childlike belief and childlike innocence when it comes to the Christmas season. And so often we grow up, right? We, we get cynical. We, we ah, Christmas is just commercialized or oh, I'm sick of the Christmas music. It's been two days of it. You know, I'm tired. You know, we get this cynical feeling in our in our hearts. And, and maybe it's because of the exterior, but we allow the exterior to change the interior of our hearts and we miss what God's trying to do. It's interesting. Um, I, I recently read through the Bible in 90 days. And so when you do that, you read big chunks of scripture at once. And it, it's pretty cool to do that uh, because it really what happens is it paints this broad brush uh, uh, of you get, to, you get to read the Bible and it kind of brings it to a new light. And one thing I notice as I'm reading through scripture is God commanded the children of Israel to party. There's actually seven celebrations or seven festivals that they were supposed to take part of throughout the year. And some of these celebrations were like 52 days long. And they were not even allowed to mourn during these celebrations. It's like, okay, you can mourn up to the day the celebration starts, but have fun during the celebration. And then when it's over, you can begin, you can begin mourning again. Like God wanted us to enjoy life and, and to celebrate things. And, and I was thinking about Christmas this year and I was like, man, isn't that true? Kind of what the Christmas season is. It's like it's a, a time of celebration. It's almost like one of these festivals that God gave us to celebrate and remember him. And no, it's not commanded by God that we celebrate Christmas season. But it's just an opportunity maybe to take a step back and just celebrate what God's been doing in our lives. And to celebrate uh, the things that he's been speaking to us or the things he's been doing in our lives. And just maybe to celebrate the fact that he came to this earth right and he died for you and me and and he gave himself up for us and it's just an awesome opportunity so i want to challenge us that while we're in this christmas season that we would during these next couple weeks of christmas because really it's just a couple weeks long that we would that we could allow ourselves to have that childlike faith that childlike childlike belief in seeing the kingdom of heaven come to your life come to eagle river come to acf and that we could participate in that So this morning we're talking about God in the waiting. And I want to start with this scripture. Um, I I love this scripture. It's Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Don't lose hope. Wait for the Lord. Simple, right? When, when 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 I read this to you, I feel like a coach. I used to coach soccer for about seven years. Girls, high school soccer. And a great team. And I remember giving speeches to them. And even uh, last year, I got to help out with Eagle River High School. I'm going to try to coach again. Um, but I remember giving speeches, like trying to motivate the girls for, for these big games that we'd get into. And I feel like that this morning as I, as I speak this to you. Wait on the Lord. Don't lose hope. Be strong. Wait on the Lord. Man, there's people in this room this morning that that's just what you needed to hear. And that's it. There's people who you guys have been waiting on the Lord and you're waiting and maybe you're, you're waiting. Your faith is waning. Maybe you're going, man, I don't know how much longer I can wait on God. And we're going to talk about this morning on waiting on the Lord. But there's some people in this room this morning that just need to hear, wait on the Lord. Be strong. Don't lose heart. Wait on the Lord. So as we talk about waiting, I, I kind of want to first establish is what is waiting? Now, 
I can ask you what is waiting, and you guys can all give me examples of what waiting is. We all get what waiting is. We wait all the time for things, right? We wait for our coffee to be done. We wait at red lights. You know, and I think this Christmas season really even amplifies waiting. Um, I don't know about you, but I love giving gifts out. I can't, I can't wait for people to open gifts. And there's one person in this world that I love giving gifts to more than anybody, and it's my wife. I love to give my wife gifts. And it is so hard for me to like get her a gift and then just sit there with it like in my possession and not give it to her. I like start like sweating these like drops of like anxiety like I can't wait. Uh, a few years ago we had this camera that was just a terrible camera. It was like the function was blurry on it, right? It's just like turn it to blurry and that's what you use, right? It's the only function in this camera. This digital camera it was terrible. We had it for years. We got it when we first got married and finally uh, Molly was like, man, we, we need a new camera. Can, can, do you think we can save some money to get a new camera? And, and I'd been thinking about this. Well, I'd been saving money. And I remember like Cyber Monday comes and there's these great deals on these Canon cameras. So I got her one and it came in the mail. And the only problem with the camera was it came on December 5th. I got it on December 5th and it gets in my hands. And now I'm like really freaking out. Like, I don't know what to do. I got to give her this camera. I can't wait to give it to her. I'm so excited to give it to her. And I'm like, don't wait, don't wait, or wait, 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 don't give it to her. Wait till Christmas. So I did the only thing I knew to do. I took it to my mom, my mom and dad's house. I said, mom, wrap this because I'm a terrible rapper and then hide it. Not from Malia, but hide it from me because if I find it, I'm going to take it. I'm going to give it to her. And so uh, and I, I, I held off. She didn't know about the camera. And so, I, but Christmas amplifies waiting. We, we wait for family. We wait to see family. We wait to open gifts. We wait to give gifts. And so we understand this way, but what does it mean to wait? And I think uh, to put it into terms that help us this morning, waiting is this. Waiting is there's the way that things are, and then there's the way we feel things should be. And the gap in the middle, that is waiting. Right? And you find yourself in the gap. From the way things are, this is, this is the reality in my life. We, my, my wife and I, or my wife just had a baby. And for, for nine months, the way things were was this baby was inside of her. The way things we felt they should be is this baby needed to be in our arms. And so that gap in the middle was the waiting. And, and maybe you're in this room, you're like, ah, I'm single. And that's the way things are. And the reality in my mind is I need to be married. And that waiting, that gap in the middle is waiting. And it can be simple. The way things are, I'm really hungry. The way things should be, I should have food in my stomach right now. Right. And, and, and we've all been there. We've all been in places of waiting. We've all been in hell. We've all been to the DMV the way things are. I am waiting here, wasting my life away the way things should be. I should be anywhere else on the planet. But in this seat right now. Right. We understand waiting, but it's the gift for this morning. I want us to understand it's the gap between the way things are and, and the way at least we feel things should be. And, and the reality is, most of us, are, if not all of us, we all hate waiting. Right? We get it. We all hate waiting. Waiting is hard. It's difficult. See, waiting will either breed excitement and anticipation, or waiting will breed anxiety and frustration. It's going to breed one of those two things. Like, if you're waiting for something exciting, you're waiting to go to Disneyland, right? You're waiting to go to Hawaii on that trip. As you wait for it, it breeds excitement. It breeds anticipation. Right. Or if you're just waiting for the sake of waiting, you're waiting because you're the DMV or you're waiting for this prayer to be answered from God and you're not seeing it right away. What it will do is it'll bring anxiety and frustration. We hate to wait. And I know this because when we go to the fast food restaurants and we don't get our food within the first 45 seconds of stepping into the store, we're freaking out. Right. What is with the service here? I can't believe this is fast food. Come on. 
And I don't know if anybody's ever been to the Wendy's that's like right off the Glen Highways or getting into Anchorage. Have you ever gone through the drive through there? You could probably go to Glacier Brew House, get seated, order your food, have a nice meal, maybe order some desserts, get up and leave before you make it through the drive through at that Wendy's. It is the slowest Wendy's on the planet. Right. And, and when I go there and I get so angry, I'm like, how long? What is take, taking? So what are they ordering the meat to come down and be flown in this, you know, today right now as I'm sitting here? And, and I get frustrated because I want this food right now. We hate waiting. We get frustrated when we have to wait. And even when we're waiting for things that we're excited about, even when there's anticipation and, and there's excitement with what we're waiting for, if we're not careful, maybe the longer we have to wait or the closer it gets to that time, it'll start to bring you to anxiety or frustration. It's like if you know you're going on a trip and you're really excited about it, all of a sudden, as it gets closer, things start to irritate you a little more. Like, oh, man, I'm at work and this thing is just irritating me. If I was just in Hawaii right now, then I wouldn't have to be worrying about this. Oh, the weather is just irritating me right now. I can't believe it's this cold. And, man, if I just can't wait till I get to Hawaii where if you didn't have that trip planned, all of a sudden this irrit- irritant wouldn't even be there. You wouldn't pay attention to it. But if, if we allow it to, waiting, it will, it will cause irritation and frustration in our lives. And, and, and we, we want to make sure that... We don't allow that frustration to take over when we're in the waiting period. Because we all wait. We all wait. We want to make sure that we don't allow that to, to amplify in our lives and allow those frustrations to come out. And we hate waiting so much that typically we are willing to trade quality for quickness. A lot of times when we wait, we're, we're willing to trade quality for quickness. And, and honestly, the things usually that are best in life are things we have to wait for. Like, are they not? The things in life that are best are things we have to wait for. We can either go to McDonald's and get a meal quickly because we're hungry, or we can go to a nice sit-down restaurant and have a really quality meal. And it's like, well, I'm really hungry right now. I don't want to wait. I'm choosing McDonald's, right? I'm choosing that quick thing over the quality. And we do this with so many things in our life. I have a friend of mine. His name is Angelo Anthony Vincenzo Borelli. He's Italian, if you didn't pick that up. And, uh, and very Italian. His parents were born in Italy, moved to the U.S. Uh, he was first generation born in the U.S. And he was telling me one time, he said, you know, my dad's never owned a microwave in his life. His dad was near his 80s. My dad's never owned a microwave. He's like, we trade quality for quickness. We, like, we can either have a microwave dinner, especially like when the wife's not in, you know, out of town. You know, if the wife's not around, it's like, oh, I guess I'm microwaving dinner tonight. And we can choose that quickness versus the quality. And, and Angelo was telling me, he's like, yeah, my dad gets up every morning. He goes to the market. He picks out the, the produce and the food that he needs for the day. And he comes home and he makes these amazing meals like every day. It's like, of course he does. He's Italian. And so he does it his entire life. He, he was not willing to trade quality for quickness. But we do that so often. And, and we do that, I mean, clearly in, in fast food. But there's so many other areas. Right? There used to be service stations where you'd bring your car in, they'd check your oil, fill your fluids while you sat there and waited, fill your gas tank. And now it's like, no, it just takes too long. Just get in, get out, and we haven't checked our oil for, you know, nine months. And it's like, why is my car making that noise? Right? Because we've created quality for quickness. And we do that. And what happens is we allow the exterior things in our life to affect the interior things of our life. And especially like in this generation with just quickness, quickness, quickness. You know, my, my 4G is, is, is terrible. Why am I not on LTE right now? Right? Because that tenth of a second faster pulling up that web browser on my phone makes all the difference in the world. Right? And we allow that to affect our insides and even our spiritual life. And what happens is I think we've become, we're a happy meal society. 
Right? We're a happy meal society. We want things. We want them quick. We want them cheap. And we want them with a prize. And what happens is that, that boils into our faith. And that boils into our walk with God. And pretty soon, I want my faith quick. I want it cheap. And I want it with a prize. And like, I want my faith quick. Like, I should have arrived already. Right? I should have arrived already. God, I've been a Christian for five whole years. I've arrived. I'm there. Right? And, and often I look back at my life and I go, man, am I closer to God today than I was one year ago? Ask that question to you. Are you closer to God today than you were uh, one year ago, last Sunday after Thanksgiving a year ago? Are you clo- have you worked on that relationship? Have you dug in? Or is it like, I've arrived. I got there. I got here quick. Man, God's, yeah, he's, he's lucky to have me. Right? I, I got here so fast, probably faster than anyone else. I've arrived. We, we want to get there quick. We want it cheap. It's like, God, salvation is free. I read that. I know that. So why is everybody asking for my time, energy, and money? Right? I, I want it cheap, God. It's not supposed to cost me anything. It's free. And we get frustrated when, when God calls us to do things, when, when, when the church asks us to do things. It's like, time, energy, and money. Now, that's mine. This is, salvation is free. And then we want it with a prize. It's like, okay, God, I went and served. Time to bless me. Right? I, I, I gave, God. I gave. So where's my blessing? Where's my prize, God? We've become a Happy Meal society in so many ways, and, and it leaks into our, in our Christian walk. It leaks into our faith. And, and we, we trade quality for quickness in our life. The other thing we do when we're in a waiting period is we try to get through that waiting period as quickly as possible. We try to get through those waiting periods as quickly as possible. When we try to rush the wait, that typically breeds anxiety and frustration. When we're trying to rush the things that God's doing in our lives, or we're trying to rush things that are just out of our control. When we're in a waiting period and we try to rush it, it typically breeds anxiety and frustration. I know a guy uh, who lived in Seattle, and he had high blood pressure. And he'd gone to the doctor trying to work on his high blood pressure. Um, he didn't want to take medication. And so he's working with the doctor in every way, shape, or form that he could. You know, changing his diet, doing all this stuff, trying to bring down his blood pressure. And the doctor's like, man, nothing's working. You're still in this danger zone. You need to get on medication. He's like, is there nothing else I can try? And the doctor's like, well... Um, I have one suggestion. He's like, what's that? This is in Seattle, one of the worst trafficked cities in America. And he said, well, how long's your commute? It's about a half an hour. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to drive in the slow lane to and from work. Don't even try to get in any other lane. You get in a slow lane and you stay in the slow lane all the way to work. So the guy's like, all right, I'll try anything. And so he gets in the slow lane. First thing he discovers is he gets to work about three minutes later than he normally did. The second thing he discovers is he does this day in and day out to work and from work. After a couple weeks of this, he goes in and gets his blood work tested and his blood pressure is dropped significantly enough that where he does not have to get on blood pressure medication. And it was like every morning and every evening he's getting in this frustrated phase of trying to rush the waiting process. I'm on the I-5 quarter and I need to get off the I-5 quarter. I got to blast through here and everyone's going slow. Right. And in and, 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 and doing so and making himself get in a slow lane, he, he forced himself to wait and, and allowed that process to happen and not get frustrated with it. And it changed his health. Oftentimes we try to rush through waiting processes. And the other thing we do is when we're rushing through the waiting process, we end up wishing the time away. 
we end up wishing the time that we're at, the moment in life we are, we kind of wish it away because we wish for not, me not to be waiting anymore. We wish for that prayer to be answered. We wish for that thing I've been waiting for to be in my possession. And when we do that, we wish the time away. And, and the best example I can think of is with my children. You know, it's like, man, we have this little baby and it's like, ah, I can't, I wish, I can't wait until he can just sleep through the night. Right? That's a good thing to wish for. He can sleep through the night. The next thing is like, man, I just wish I can't wait until they can just feed themselves. Then it's like, man, I just can't wait. I need to wish that, that, that they're potty trained. And then it's like, oh, man, I, I just can't wait until they can stay home by themselves. And it's like, man, I just can't wait until they can drive. And then I talk to parents of high schoolers that are graduating. They're like, oh, I wish that they're a baby again. Because right, we just wish the time away. We don't enjoy the moments of where we're at and allowing the time when we're waiting for these next stages to, to, to participate in them and to enjoy them. And the other thing that we do when we're in the waiting period, in the waiting process, we try to distract ourselves. We try to distract ourselves while we're waiting. We don't just like to wait. If I was to go, hey, we're going to sit here for 60 seconds and not do anything, I would see cell phones popping out all over the place. Right. And, and technology has helped us distract ourselves from the waiting process. I mean, when I go on a date with my wife, I have to remind myself, don't pull out my phone. Don't pull out my phone. OK, one quick Instagram to let everyone know I'm on a date with my wife and then put it back and don't don't pull out my phone again. Right. Because we get so used to distracting ourselves from anything. And so we want to work on not not just rushing through the waiting period and not just distracting ourselves in this waiting process, but to allow the process of waiting to take its full course in our life. So my next question is, 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 okay, we're waiting for things, but the question is, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? So often when we wait, we wait for hope. Right? Typically when we're waiting, we're waiting for hope. And it, it can look like this, like, I hope that this food tastes really good right now that I'm, that I'm waiting for. I hope this food tastes good. I hope I get this promotion I've been working on for so hard for so long. I, I hope that this relationship gets healed and gets worked out. Like right, we hope for things when we're waiting. And, and, and those things are not bad. It's, it's good to wait on these things. It's good to hope for these things. But what ends up happening is we hope that these things will fulfill us. We hope that these things can completely fulfill us, these things that we wait on. I read this quote while I was doing some of this research uh, for this message, and I really thought it was awesome. I want to share with you guys this morning. It says, whoever does not know the blessedness of waiting, that is, hopefully doing without, will never experience the full blessing of fulfillment. Whoever does not know the blessedness of waiting, that is, hopefully doing without, will never experience the, uh, the blessing of fulfillment. It's not bad to wait on that new job promotion that you're working hard for. It's not bad to wait for that degree that you've been working hard for. It's not bad to wait on these relationships that we're working on. But what happens is we put our hope in these things and we think that they're going to complete us and fulfill us. And at the end of the day, they they never do. At the end of the day, they never do. So often we wait and hope on things that are temporal. We wait and hope on things of this earth that like, if I just had this, then I'd be happy. If I just got this promotion, then I'd be happy. Or I just got this new job, then I'd be happy. And the truth is that can be true. And if you're in a, not a great job and all of a sudden you get a better job and that makes you happy, that's awesome. If you're in, a, if you're working hard in school and you, 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 you do, you know, you work hard and you graduate and you get your degree, man, that makes you happy. That's awesome. But that, that happiness is fleeting. It, it will go away. 
that, job, that new job you got is going to have new frustrations. It's going to have, even uh, in, in relationships, like I love my wife to death, but there's times when she, she doesn't completely, she doesn't make me whole. And, and when we can wait on eternal things, not on temporal things, when we can wait on God, wait on God, don't lose hope, wait on God. When we wait on God while we're waiting for that thing that we're waiting for, well then when, when that thing comes, our hope is in God, our trust is in God, our fulfillment is in God. But when we're waiting on that thing that we're waiting for and when we don't have it, we, when we don't have it we can't be happy. It's like I can't find happiness in my job right now because it's a terrible job and I just need a new one. And so I'm going to wait for this new one. And until I get this new one, I'm not going to be able to find happiness. I'm not going to be able to find wholeness. But when I can wait on God, like, man, my identity comes from Christ. I'm waiting on God. I'm just enjoying the moment with him. And yeah, my job is not the greatest thing in the world. At least it's providing for me financially. Yeah, my boss kind of rides me. But at least, you know, I, I have food to put on the table. Right? It changes our perspective when we're waiting. And so that waiting period doesn't provide frustration. It doesn't provide anxiety. It provides peace because we're, we're waiting on God. We're not waiting on these temporal things. Wait on the Lord. Be strong and do not lose hope. Wait on the Lord. We want to make sure that we don't lose sight of, of what we're waiting on and who we're waiting on, but that we wait on God. And then those things that we're working for, those things that we're you know, anticipating when they come or they don't come, our faith and our hope is still found in God. While we're in this waiting period, the question you want to ask yourself is, what have you already been given? What have you already been given? You see, when we, get our, when we allow our lives to be filled with anxiety, when we allow our lives to be filled with frustration, um, it, we forget what we already have. We forget that God has already blessed us. When we're waiting for that next job, we forget hey, we have a job when a lot of people don't. When we're waiting for that to be with family, maybe over Christmas, we forget, man, I got friends, I got family around me that I can also enjoy right now. What have you been giving? Oftentimes we're waiting for a big break. We're waiting to be noticed. We're waiting to succeed. And in the process of that, everything else kind of blurs out around us. We can forget the things that God has put right in front of us. We can forget the things that he's already, that we've waited for in the past and that have come to fulfillment. And then we, we have them. And then it's like, well, now I'm on to waiting for the next thing. And a lot of times, too, when we're waiting for things, we, we have this picture of what it's going to look like when we get it, right? We have this picture of this is what my life will be like when I get this. When, when this happens, this is what my life is going to look like. And oftentimes, it, it doesn't come the way we expect it to. It doesn't look like the thing we thought it was going to look like when we finally get it. And, and we want to make sure we don't miss the things that God gives us. We don't miss the things that come our way because this is what it's supposed to look like. You see, some, there, there's a group of people that did that in the Bible, right? There's a group of people that were waiting for something for a long time. They were waiting for a promise. I want to read that promise. I love this scripture. It is, it's the Christmas scripture, right? We read it in Luke, but it was really written in Isaiah. Luke is, is quoting a prophecy. He says, for, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness for this time, and for, for this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord 
of hosts will do this. You see, Isaiah prophesies this. And the children of Israel, they hear it and they get all excited. They're like, yes, God is coming to earth. God is going to establish his kingdom on earth. Of the government, of his reign, there'll be no end. See, the the children of Israel were waiting for a physical government. They were waiting for God to come and, and blow up the Babylonians. Right? And, and, and get rid of them so, so the children of Israel could rule the earth again. That's what they were waiting for. And, and God delivered on his promise. He did. But it was 700 years after this prophecy was made. Talk about being in the waiting. They waited for 700 years for this prophecy. And you know what happened during that 700 years? You would think while they're waiting for God, they pressed into God. No, they did the exact opposite. They waited, and instead of turning to God, they walked away from Him. Instead of turning to worship God, they turned and worshipped idols. They got frustrated in the waiting process. They got angry. They, got, they, got, um, they couldn't take it anymore, the waiting. And so since God wasn't meeting them the way they, he, they thought He should, they turned to other gods. They turned to other idols. And they walked away from God. See, and then when God did come... When God sent His Son Jesus to this earth to establish His heavenly kingdom, they completely missed it. Because they had a picture of what it was going to look like. This thing they'd been waiting for, this is what it's going to look like. And when it didn't look like that, they missed it. They were waiting for a temporal thing. They were waiting for a physical kingdom on earth. But Jesus came to establish His heavenly kingdom. Jesus came to establish something far greater than an earthly government. And they didn't see that and they missed it. He offered them a seat at the table. Jesus came and He offered the children of Israel, He offered the Jews a seat at His royal table. And they completely missed it. You know, and so, because they missed it, He's invited us to His table. He's invited us to His party. The, the, uh, Jesus tells this parable. I love this story. I want to read through it really quick here. It says, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing for a big dinner. He invited many guests. Then the day of the dinner arrived. He sent his servants to those who had been invited. The servants told them, come, everything is ready. But they all had the same idea. They began to make excuses. The first one said, I just bought a field and I must go see to it. Please excuse me. Another one said, I just bought five pair of oxen. I'm on my way to go try them out. Please excuse me. Still, another one said, I just got married. So I cannot come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. When the owner of the house heard this, he became angry. He ordered the servants, go quickly into the streets and into the lanes and into the towns. Bring those who are poor. Also bring those who cannot walk and the blind and the, de- and the disabled. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still more room. The master told his servant, go out onto the roads, go out into the country lanes, make the people come in. I want my house to be full. You see, the master is throwing a party. I like to think of it as a Christmas party. But the master is throwing a party and we've all been invited to this party. That's why Jesus came. He came to offer us this amazing opportunity to come and to sit at his table. And we've all been invited to sit at his table. The Jews, they missed it. It didn't look like what they thought it was going to look like. But we have the opportunity this morning to go and, 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 and sit at God's table. To enjoy this party He's throwing for us. And so while we're in the waiting, while we're talking about waiting this morning, here's four points I want to talk about. What do we do while we wait? 
If we don't want to rush it, we don't want to distract ourselves from it. We don't want to allow anxiety to build up through it. So what do we do while we wait? How do we avoid those things? So I got a couple points I want to talk about with you this morning. The first one is this. Brush your teeth. Sounds a little odd. So I get this from John 13. From John 13, when Jesus washes the disciples' feet, right? And they come, they sit down at dinner. They're going to a dinner, going to a party. And they sit down and Jesus comes and he washes the disciples' feet. And he gets to Peter and Peter's like, no, no, you're not washing my feet, Jesus. Not going to happen. And Jesus is like, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, then you can have no part of me. And Peter, all right, Jesus, then wash all of me. Wash my head, wash everything. And, and, and Jesus looks at Peter and like, Peter, you don't, you don't get it. You don't need to be washed. I don't need to wash your head. Your head's been washed, but you've been, your feet, you've been walking in this world. They're, they're, they're dirty again. We, we need to wash them. And obviously we don't wash feet anymore in our society. And so I thought, well, what's the next thing that we do do when we go somewhere? We brush our teeth. At least I hope we do. And so if you were invited to a party, like Thursday, I was invited to someone's house for Thanksgiving. I got up. Before I left the house, I brushed my teeth. I didn't want to have stinky breath when I got to their house. And oftentimes, and I don't say this in the fact of, oh, you need to get yourself right before you come to God. That's, that's not, please don't hear that because we can never get ourselves right. And it's not about getting yourself right. But what it is, it's, it's having our feet washed before we go to this party. It's preparing our hearts, preparing ourselves to, to take part of what God is doing for us. It means cleaning some stuff up in our lives. It, may, it might mean that I got to clean up some attitudes that I have in my life. It might mean that I got to clean up uh, some complaining that's going on in my life. It might mean that I've got to clean up some apathy that's going on in my life. It's these areas of our life, these attitudes that we have that we can either allow to take over or we can go, no, I'm not going to allow this thing to take over. You know, we're going to a party. People should be able to see us and know and understand that you're going to a party. I don't know if you've ever driven around on like homecoming night or prom night. If you've ever like been to the mall and, and you go maybe to a restaurant, you go to Olive Garden, you walk in and there's this group of, of teenagers sitting there all dressed nice. The ladies have nice dresses on, their hair's done, and the guys have like tuxes or suits on looking extremely uncomfortable. Like they have no idea what to do and like trying to be a gentleman for the first time in their life. Not really sure how this works, right? But you can see something's going on. These guys are going to a party. They are going to a dance. They're going to have a blast tonight. Because you can see it. They've prepared themselves for this dance. And Christians, do, do people look at you and go, man, that, that person's going to a party. They are going somewhere. God is doing something in their lives. They are preparing for what God is doing in their lives. Or do we just roll out of bed and, and we try to get to this party with our you know, pajamas on and hair all messy and stanky breath? You know, how are you showing up to the party? Are you, are you working on your own life first? Are you looking inwards and going, okay, what do I need to work on for myself? So as, as we prepare for the party, make sure, first of all, as you're getting ready through the day, you, you're going to this party, the first thing you do is you brush your teeth. The next thing is, as you're on the way to the party, as you're in this waiting period and you're, you're headed to the party, the next point is don't pass the Christmas kettle. Don't pass the Christmas kettle. Proverbs 11:25 tells us this, a generous person will prosper and he who refreshes others will be refreshed. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. What is a Christmas kettle? You ever seen Salvation Army guys ringing those bells? 
and they got that pot right there hanging on those chains. There's a reason it looks like the way it looks like you put your money in it. That's called a Christmas kettle. See, what happened was uh, a man um, in, in 1891, his name was Joseph, uh, Captain Joseph McPhee. He wanted to be able to provide Christmas dinner for the poor and the needy in the city of San Francisco. And so he went to the city council and he got permission to put uh, crab pots, um, crab kettles actually, outside of the ferry that went back and forth between San Francisco and Oakland. And so when, when people come off the ferry, you would see these crab kettles and there was a sign on the crab kettle that said, keep the kettle boiling. And so people would put their money in this. And with that, he was able to feed the homeless in San Francisco on Christmas Day. And the Salvation Army found out about this and kind of took it over, took charge of that, and have been running wild with it for nearly uh, a century now. And, and taking care of and feeding so many people. But oftentimes when we're at the party, right, we're headed out of the store, we're on our everyday walk in life, and we got our head down and we're just going to where we got to get to. We pass the Christmas kettle. We don't take time to bless others. We don't take time to, to take part in society. We're, we're, maybe we're frustrated. Maybe we're in this waiting period. And we're just trying to get through it. We're trying to get through this waiting period as quickly as we possibly can. And maybe there's some pain in that waiting period. A lot of times when we wait, we're waiting for this pain to pass. But Scripture says, man, he who refreshes others will be refreshed. When we take time to serve each other. When we take time to be able to... To give of ourselves. There, there's, a, there's an amazing blessing that comes with that. There's an amazing refreshing that comes with that. I've never talked to anybody ever that has gone to like serve food at a shelter, that has taken part in, in, in some generous opportunity to go, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That totally ruined my day. Right? No, I've talked to people like, that was amazing. I want to do that again. Oh my goodness, I feel so good. Because he refreshes others will be refreshed when you're in the waiting period. And maybe it's frustrating. Maybe there's anxiety. Maybe there's pain. Maybe you're waiting for this relationship that's broken to be healed. Maybe you're waiting for physical healing in your body. Maybe you're waiting because you're just not in a good situation. And you have this anxiety. And refresh others. Don't pass the Christmas kettle. Stop. And, and bless others. And in doing so, you will be blessed the next point is when you get to the party, enjoy the appetizers. Enjoy the appetizers. John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is talking here and he's saying, guys, I have come to give you a full life. Now he's not, a lot of times people read that and they think, yeah, heaven is going to be this full life. I'm going to have this full afterlife. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 I'm not. Not, not the afterlife. Today, now, you can have a full life. If you haven't figured it out, this party we're talking about is the kingdom of heaven. This party we're talking about is the kingdom of heaven. And, and Jesus teaches us, pray every day. Your kingdom come here. Let this party come every day. But enjoy the appetizers. We get there and so often we're waiting for the main course. <clears throat> we're waiting for this thing that we think is going to change everything. And we're sitting there and we're hungry for this thing. And God has offered us so much. And we're just like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want any of that. I want this main thing. But, but he's bringing out these amazing appetizers for us to enjoy. He's bringing out these amazing things for us to have. And maybe it's not the main thing we're waiting for, but it's these blessings in our lives. It's these things that he's trying to sustain us with. Kind of like the manna. 
Right? The children of Israel, they're, they're walking and they're waiting for the promised land. They're walking through the desert and they're going, God, we're hungry. He's like, dude, I got this amazing manna for you. And they're like, thanks. No, thanks. Just give us the promised land. And he's like, no, I'm sustaining you right now. Don't pass up the appetizers. Enjoy the appetizers. God wants you to have a full life today, not just a full afterlife. You see, it truly is about the journey, not the destination. We say that. We've all heard that. Oh, it's about the journey, not the destination. But the fact is, that's the truth. We say it so much, I think we just think it's just this cliche that's not true anymore. See, Jesus wants to walk down the road with you. He just doesn't want to meet you at the end of the road. We see these things that are at the end of our waiting period, and we just want to get there. But God's going, no, 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 no. I'm not going to meet you there. I'm going to meet you here. I want to walk with you down the road. I don't want to just meet you at the destination. I'm here with you today, right now. Take time in your waiting period to understand that God has given us these blessings. He's given us His presence. God came to earth. That happened. The thing that the Jews were waiting for for so long. Emmanuel means God with us. He is here. He's with us. We have access to Him every day, every moment of our lives. But we go, no, no, no. I just, I just give me this thing, God. Just give me what I'm waiting for. Take Time to enjoy the appetizers. Take time to enjoy what God has provided for it, for us, for you. And finally, what do you do while we wait? What do you do while you wait? Is you fill the seats. You fill the seats. I love in this story, the servant comes back and says, Master, I've done everything. You've, I've got every blind person. I've got every poor person. I've got every cripple. And there's still room. What does the master do? Sends them back out. Go out further. Go into the country. I want my place to be filled. There is a party that's happening and God wants everybody to be involved. God wants everybody to be able to take part in this party. See, we're called to invite everyone. We're called to share the gospel locally, statewide, nationwide, globally. We're called to share the gospel. You see, the kingdom of heaven is for all of us. It's not just for you. It's not just for me. Everybody should have access to it. And God's saying, invite them all. At least let them know they're invited. Fill the seats. Here's the truth. If your gospel isn't touching others, then it's probably not touching you. If your gospel isn't touching others, then it's probably not touching you. Your gospel should be reaching into the darkness, reaching into the lost, and pulling people out of the gutters, pulling people off the road into this party that we get to celebrate with, that we get to have. We've all been invited to the table. We've all been invited to the party. So we need to go into the world and invite others. <clears throat> One way we want to try to make that happen for you guys this month is we started this, this initiative. We thought we'd just have a lot of fun with it. Uh, you may have seen some posts about it on Facebook or on Twitter, but we're starting something called Hashtag ACF Wish. And we're, what we're wanting to do is we're just wanting everyone in this church, and we're hoping it catches fire in the community. We went and bought like 2,000 sleeves at Jitters with our, the new logo, hashtag ACF Wish on it. And what we're wanting people to do is just go on Facebook or go on uh, Instagram or go on Twitter and hashtag ACF Wish, something you want for Christmas. It can be a serious thing. It can be a fun thing. It might be like hashtag ACF Wish. I would like some new seat covers for my car. It could be hashtag ACF wish, man, I wish my son would come to know the Lord this Christmas. 
You know, but, but fill up hashtag ACF wish. And then what we're hoping is that we can see each other's wishes and maybe we could be the answer to each other's prayers a little bit. And maybe it's just a fun blessing. It doesn't have to be serious, but it was awesome. I was talking to my wife. I was telling her what was happening, that we were doing this hashtag ACF wish. And then a little while later, where we do a monthly budget, we're working our budget. And she's like, oh, make sure we set some money aside for the hashtag ACF wish so we can see something and then we can bless somebody with it. And it's just it's an opportunity. You know, I know we have deeper dreams. We have wishes uh, and the opportunity to be able to bless people. Right. Refresh others in that sense. You know, it's just a Christmas list is all it really is. You know, I was talking to my wife the other day. She's like, hey, I need your Christmas list. And I put tons of stuff on it because I don't know. Like, hey, have some, I want some wool socks. I want some of this. I want new hunting rifle. Just hashtag ACF wish. Um, you know, uh, I, we want these things. And so I, I just throw it out to her and she, you know, I can afford this. I'm not getting that. You know, and there's things that have been on there for years that I still don't have. But to be able to kind of put that out there and go, hey. We have an opportunity to bless each other. And maybe there's some real, real needs in there. Now, you're going, I can meet that need. I could actually meet that need. And so we want to be able to give each other opportunities. And, and like I said, maybe it's someone's going, I just wish my son would come to know Christ. You see that, and maybe you hit him back on Facebook or Instagram or talk to him at church. You go, I just want you to know this Christmas season, I'm going to be praying for your son. That's a need I can meet. You know, or, or you see, you know, I want my seat covers in I can see that and go, hey, I can get them some seat covers. Just an opportunity that we can bless each other this month. Our goal this month is to see every person at ACF go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram with hashtag ACF wish. Now, if you don't know what a hashtag is, it's okay. Are you like, well, I don't get it. Talk to your kid. Talk to your grandkid. They will help you. All it is is, is the hashtag ACF wish. It categorizes it on all these social media sites. So if you go on Facebook and you go in the search engine and you type in, uh, can you guys pull that screen up and you and you pull put in hashtag ACF wish? It'll pull up everybody's uh, status updates that says hashtag ACF wish, right? Uh, Josh Talbot, Halo Master Chief Collection for Xbox One, hashtag ACF wish. There it is. You can see it. And then maybe you can look at that and go, oh, I could provide that for Josh. That's a great idea. You know, but we can look at these things. And, and uh, I, after first service, there's so many of them up there. And it's cool to see people uh, wishing and going, I could pray for that. I could do that. One guy was just like, I want dinner with friends. Sweet. We're going to make that happen. You know, so we have these opportunities to bless. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take one minute. I want you to pull out your smartphone. If you have one, your smart device. And I want you to go on Facebook, if you use Facebook, or go on Twitter, if you use Twitter, go on Instagram. And I want you to face, I want you to hashtag your guys' ACF wish right now. If you don't know how to do that, just put what you want for Christmas. Space, the pound sign for some of you, ACF wish. So we're going to take one minute and do that. <laughs> Is this legal in church? Yes. Thank you. It is one day out of the year. We're making this legal. We know you're on your smartphones. Most service anyways. So just stop hiding it. Pull it out and hashtag ACF wish. And the cool thing is we might see people from the community who don't go to ACF. Cause like I said, we're, we're putting this on jitters. It's up in the gym and we might be able to bless the community through this also, but have fun with it. He said, if you're stuck, talk to the teenager sitting next to you. And the thing that will make me is the carol.
couple more seconds here. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I would wrap this up, but I really like this song. I want to keep going. All right, we're going to wrap up here. We're going to wrap up here. If you didn't get it done, do it after church. And like I said, take the opportunity throughout this month. And, and as things come up, maybe something will come up later in a couple of weeks. You're going, oh. Man, I could just use prayer for this. Just hashtag ACF wish. And, and let's go on together and just bless each other, bless the community. We just thought it would be a fun thing to be able to do. And maybe you know somebody that needs something and they wouldn't do that. You can say, hey, I know somebody that really needs this. Hashtag ACF wish. And, and we can meet each other's needs. So as we wrap up today, I think so many of us, we can look back on times in our lives when we've been in a waiting period. And maybe you're in a waiting period right now. I know for me personally, man, I've gone through some waiting times with God. I've gone through some waiting times in my life. And a lot of times they are painful. A lot of times they were really hard. But I can tell you what, and if you've gone through this, you'd probably agree with me. When you look back at those times in your life, you would never trade them for anything. You would never trade them for anything. I know for myself personally, several years ago, I was in some waiting times. I was in a waiting period in my life. I had a job, I was working as a, as a youth pastor, but my job wasn't able to support me enough for my wife not to work. And we just had our son, and, and there was nothing more on my wife's heart was to stay home. And I desperately wanted to be able to provide for my wife so she didn't have to work. And I was in this waiting period kind of, of finances and of job. That same job, it wasn't a super stable job. It was at a really small church. Finances were always up and down. It's like, hey, we can pay you this month. Hey, we think we can pay you this month. Hey, we're not sure we're going to be able to pay you this month. But it was where I knew God called me. And I just, I was in this waiting period for something better. I didn't, I didn't like where I was at. I felt like less of a man because I couldn't provide what, my, what I felt like my wife needed. And I was in this waiting period. And during that same time, my wife and I, our, our marriage wasn't fantastic. It wasn't great. It was good at best. And I knew there was more. I knew there was more, and I was in this waiting period of this relationship with my wife going, I know there can be more, I know this can be better. And I was so focused on the external. If I just had a job, then everything would be better. If I just had a job that could provide for me more, then everything would be better with my wife, everything would be better with who I feel about myself, it would just all go away. I was so focused on the temporal things. But God knew, He knew me, and He knew that just because I got a new job, that that wouldn't just make everything go away. And so he had me in this waiting period. He made me sit in this waiting period. Really, for, for nearly seven years, I was in this waiting period. And there finally came a point. There finally came a point where Malia and I had to sit down and look at each other and go, you know what? We're waiting for the wrong things. We're just waiting and hoping and wishing that our, that our marriage gets better. We're just waiting and hoping and wishing that you just get a job and that will just make everything all better. A different job. And we finally sat down and goes, you know what? We have to focus on what we're waiting for, what we're waiting on. We've got to focus on what God has given us. We've got to focus on you know, brushing our teeth, 
know, we're allowing things into our life that aren't really super healthy and we have some stinky breath. Right? We, we got to focus on, you know, let's start serving others. We're so focused inwardly that we, we stop serving people. It was like, well, it's my job to serve, right? I'm a pastor, so that just counts. It's like, no, I'm not serving out of the willingness of my heart. You know, we weren't eating the appetizers. The God was giving us so much and we we're just ignoring because we had to just have a better job. That was going to fix everything. But we didn't realize, man, God gave us, a, both of us, my wife had a really good job. He was providing for us financially. I mean, we were able to build our own house. What God had provided, he provided so much stuff for us, so many blessings, so many people sacrificing of themselves for us to be able to have some of these things. And we were just didn't see that. We were just focusing on what we wanted. We wanted to get through this waiting time. We wanted it over. And we finally were like, you know what? We're going to stop focusing on this, waiting on this, but we're going to wait on God. And it was like that day, it was like a change of everything. It was like that moment, it was like, boom, God did something inside of us. God didn't change the circumstances. I didn't all of a sudden get a brand new job. No, it was about a year after that. After I was satisfied with where I was at. After I'd kind of started to come out of this waiting period. Go, man, these appetizers are really good. This main course meal, I'm getting full. This is awesome. And it wasn't until after that that God opened the doors for me to come up here. But God had worked on my marriage. God had worked on my attitude. And I would never change that time for anything. So as we wrap it up tonight, where are you in the waiting process? What are you waiting for? Don't rush it. Don't fight it. Don't distract yourself from it. Find God in the waiting. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you meet us where we're at. We don't have to make our way to you. You come to us. You are not a destination at the end of the road, Lord. You are walking on the road with us, right next to us. God, you are providing for us. You're providing for our needs. You've provided these amazing appetizers for us. But God, so often we we don't see these things we're doing because we're just trying to, to grind out this waiting process, trying to punch through it, Lord. Speed it up. But God, this Christmas season, would we just take a step back and wait? To wait on the Lord. Be strong. Don't lose hope. Wait on the Lord.